0: This is the Sooner Sports Podcast, your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama, what a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the tailgate, part of the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank, and every single week we bring you complete and total coverage of sooner athletics and obviously all eyes focused on dallas as we count down to the red river showdown between oklahoma and texas 11 a.m saturday morning we'll be on the air with the sooner radio network pregame show at 9 a.m of course you can listen in oklahoma city on our flagship 107.7 fm the franchise and if you're out of the area Download the TuneIn Radio app where you can listen to Coach Merv, Teddy, Toby, and myself for absolutely free on TuneIn Radio. Speaking of Toby, the voice of the Sooners will sit down with the voice of the Texas Longhorns. It'll be Craig Way chatting with Toby Rowland coming up a little bit later on in the podcast. We'll go kind of uh, inside, if you will, with OU beat writer Eric Bailey from the Tulsa World. I think it's the second time that Eric's joined us on the Sooner Sports Podcast to give some thoughts on not only Oklahoma's play, but also how the Sooners have overcome so many injury issues. And you'll hear from Jordan Evans, you'll hear from Oboe, and you'll hear from Dimitri Flowers all coming up as we preview OU Texas. But if there is one thing you have probably learned by now about the tailgate, we're more than just football. Later on in the podcast, Jessica Cootie sits down with OU women's basketball coach Sherry Cole. Plus, Jess also gives us some players' perspective as basketball practice has tipped off for the OU men's and women's basketball team. It is a very busy time on campus, and obviously the excitement level is high, not just for hoops, but also for football, as it's OU and Texas this Saturday.
1: Hand off, Flea Flicker, back to Mayfield. flicks it deep down the middle, D.D. Westbrook is there, he's got it, and he's going to score a touchdown! Oh, mama, what a play!
0: Oklahoma knocks off TCU on Saturday 52-46 to to improve to 2-2 two two on the season. Six Sooners who started in the last game against Ohio State did not play against TCU due to injury, so the shorthanded Sooners had to rally. They fell behind early, but Baker Mayfield threw for 274 yards and two scores. Also ran for 55 yards. Samaje Ryan just short of 100 yards, but Joe Mixon 105 yards on 16 carries. And you heard D.D. Westbrook there. A game-high seven catches for 158 yards and two touchdowns. His two scores came in the second quarter from 67 and 40 yards out. We'll talk a lot about D.D. Westbrook coming up here in just a bit, but let's talk a lot about the defense. We caught up with Jordan Evans during the Monday press conference and asked him what the feeling was like to get back on track with a win.
2: Oh, uh, It was great. It always feels good to get a win. Uh, so the guys definitely had a lot of energy. It was very positive And, you know, just hopefully we keep this rolling. We know we had things that we need to get better at, so we're going to go, go. you know, get in the film, study that stuff, work hard on practice, and just hope we keep it rolling from here.
0: How important was it for you to set a tone and keep things up whenever TCU went on its run? You would shut them down three straight drives to start the second half, and their offense came to life. Jordan, how important was it for you to set that tone and not let anyone get down and start getting disappointed?
2: Yeah, that's very important, especially when you got teams like TCU that are so explosive. And you know, if you let them, they'll run up the score on you guys. And we also have a lot of confidence in our offense; we know they can put points up. So, it was. I mean, it wasn't just me; it was the whole all eleven guys out there. We all buckled down and just you know did what we had to do.
0: Constant communication. It seemed like you guys were on the sideline too. How much does that kind of help get everyone on the same page?
2: Yeah, that's key. Communication is key. When we're out there, it's supposed to be you know what we do to you know make sure everyone's on the right page and doing the right thing. You know, off the field, we come and talk about things that we might messed up on, do better, what we're seeing, and it just correlates and makes us play better.
0: You know, looking back, that's a pretty unique environment because the fans are right on top of you. I mean, it's almost like you can't help it, but how do you think you guys manage that?
2: Uh, I think we manage it fine. I mean, at the end of the day, we all laugh about what they say because it's, <laughs> I mean, it's fun, you know, for us, you know, even though they're talking a lot of trash, but it's fun. Uh, at the same time, it's still, you got to be mature about it and, and, keep, and stay focused.
0: All right, for you, you look around and you see obviously Tay Evans out, so you got someone else helping you out. What'd you see in Emmanuel Beal, and how do you think he performed on Saturday?
2: No, Emmanuel Beal, he's been doing good since the first day, since the first day he's got here. So, um, I think he's going to be good. Uh, he plays very hard. He's very aggressive, and you know, I, don't, I think he's going to you know do a lot of good things for us. And then you look overall at the linebacker position, really.
0: You look at that last drive, and Oboe made a difference. So when you see him getting off the edge like that, that kind of opens up things for everyone, doesn't
2: it? Yeah, Oboe making those plays made it it easier for us. Uh, I went and told him afterwards, too, like, thank you, basically. And (laughs) I had a lot of fun seeing him make plays. And, you know, everyone's making plays, doing what they're supposed to do. It makes a lot lot of fun.
0: You're a native Oklahoma, and so obviously this is a big week. What does OU Texas mean to you, especially whenever you think, wow, it could could be your last one?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a big-time rivalry. My dad played in it, so – kind of some family tradition in it and you know it's OU Texas everyone's be watching and it's my last one so hopefully it's going to be a good one for me.
3: How
0: important is it you know Teddy Lehman pointed this out seeing you even on a play where TCU scores a touchdown you dive almost into the wall scary play but you're going all out. Jordan how important is it for you to set that tone and that effort for your team to say I'm going all out 100 every chance I get?
2: Yeah and I think that tone is actually set in practice. We just got to practice hard play hard and then we get out there on game day got to do the same thing and you know, Hopefully if I'm doing it, everyone else is going to do it. I actually know they're going to do it too. So,
0: so there's Jordan Evans. So from one linebacker who played incredible on Saturday, let's roll on to another one and the performance of Oboe. I'm with Oboe getting ready for OU Texas after that big one over TCU. Take us through those last drives, more specifically the last one. What really kind of keyed your ability to get after Kenny Hill like you did on that last drive?
4: Um, our whole defense just we, we wanted to win really bad and we knew we needed like to get stops, so we did thing I noticed,
0: we have a unique perspective on the sidelines. You guys, constant communication. We were talking with Jordan Evans with it earlier. How key was that for everyone to stay on the same page all game
4: long? Oh, It was really important because TCU likes to go fast. They like to run an up-tempo offense, and Jordan just putting everybody where they need to be every play was key.
0: It's kind of a unique setting, isn't it? The fans are right on top of you. They're letting you have it pretty much all game long. It makes it a little extra special, doesn't it, when you get that W?
4: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the fans are really rowdy. It, it, was really, it felt really good to get the win afterwards. All right, big win on the road. Now you guys have OU
0: Texas. Let's just talk about this defense in general. Oboe, where do you want to see you guys continue to improve this week?
4: Um, just not uh, giving the, like the, the opposite offense as many yards. You know, I feel like we won, but there's still a lot of room for improvement, so we'll work on it this week in practice. Saw so a lot of different linebackers get playing time. Let's start with Emmanuel Beal. I know he's more the inside, and
0: you're on the outside. But how impressive was it to see him step into that starter's role out of out with Tay Evans
4: out and play the way that he did? I was really proud of him. He came, he, he was playing fast. You know, I, I liked it a lot. I, I I told him after the game that I was just like, yeah, you you, play, you played your butt off, bro. <laughs>
0: And you guys were without Will Johnson on Saturday, but Capri Doucette stepped up, played well. You saw Steven Parker back in that nickel position. But how about some of the young guys, too, and seeing Caleb Kelly out there for a few snaps? How do you think the other outside backers did? I I
4: liked, I liked what Capri did. He got that sack. And I also liked what Caleb Kelly did. He was really physical in the run game. How much does it help you guys whenever you see someone like Jordan Wade being a difference maker like he was in the middle, he and Matt Romo Oh, when when they're getting that push, then then I know I can go. Like I don't, I won't have to slow down on my rush. I, I know if they're pushing and they're and they're going and their motors are going, then then I can go.
0: Can you kind of give us some perspective on what it feels like whenever your offense is clicking like it was, and how that confidence kind of permeates and kind of builds
4: throughout the entire team? Uh, it's just momentum. When when we see them doing good, we want to go out there and give them the ball right back. You know.
0: Final thought: How special is it for you when you're walking down that ramp and it's OU Texas?
4: Is it childhood memories? I mean, what does it mean to you? It means a lot to me. You know, I grew up in Houston, and UT is like, it's a big deal all, all, you know, all throughout Texas, you know. So going, being able to play them in the Cotton Bowl, it, it, it's like, it's real special.
0: Had a big game against TCU. He'll need to have a big game against Texas for the Sooners to get the win, Oboe Okoronkwo. All right, let's move to the offensive side of the football. One more player to catch up with. Big game from Dimitri Flowers. Kind of give us the vibe. How are you feeling right now, Dimitri?
5: Um, We feel good. You know, it was it was a great win. You know, it's always a good win when you go on the road. Um, a little tougher than we wanted it to at the end. You know, after coming out at halftime, you know, felt like as a team we were rolling. But, you know, things happened. We just had to you – know, we overcame adversity at the end there and found a way to win on the road. All right, take us to that play on the goal line. Now, it kind of looks like Baker got a little push there. But that was <laughs> you taking the guy down, wasn't it? Um, you know <laughs> – I don't know personally I don't think Baker touched him at all you know I think that was more just you know but uh, no it was just a great play you know Baker set the block up perfectly and he was just in a bad place at a bad time.
0: For you it's a it's a position that gets forgotten a lot and we always joke we don't talk enough about it but every year it's a difference maker for this team so how much Dimitri does that and you're motivated because you're playing football but you know it's an important piece of this offense with what you do even though it's
5: don't get the highlights and don't get all the uh, the pub it's an important piece for this team isn't it Oh yeah no definitely you know I'm not one to to sit out there and you know complain about me not getting the ball or you know me not being on the field I'm I'm just here to do my job whatever coach Riley asked me to do and I feel like I've done you know a pretty good job to to this point um you know with with all that but it's just great you know when when I'm able to lead you know block for Samaje or for Joe or you know for Baker like we saw on Saturday it's just a good feeling doing that about getting that running game going, whenever you have that flow like you guys did early, that's a confidence. It just not just for the offense; it permeates through the whole team, oh, doesn't yeah. no, it? No, it was huge. You know, once we got that run game established, there's so much more we could do. You know, we had the play action going, we had the deep ball working because the safeties are stepping up. But when you establish the run as an offense, you know, it, it just opens up the game to so much more. How about that quarterback run game on Saturday, too, from Baker? They they gave that they gave that a lot. He took advantage of it, didn't he? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's just one of the things. If you're going to give it to us, we're going to take that four, you know, five, you know, every once in a while, 15, every time. Bakes, uh, he he's considered a dual threat to me. You know, he can move around in the pocket, and he can also get some yards downfield. You know, looking back now, how important was it to have a week to kind of regroup and get some guys healthy and then just kind of – I guess, reset goals during the bye week. No, it, it was huge. You know, that entire bye week we talked about, you know, one of our main goals, national championship is probably out of reach, but we still have the big 12 championship. It's, it's, we talked about it all week. It was a new season starting. And so we're, we're one to know right now. That's how we view it as a team. And that's how we need to approach this. You know, it's always unique for you on the sidelines because you're, you're kind of always serving several different guys. There's Jay Bolwer
0: with the running backs coach, but also Coach Biedenbeau. And I always, uh, I always find it interesting how involved you are on both sides. Is that a challenging sometimes? So I'll make sure you're taking care of the blocking responsibilities and then any potential
5: catches out of the backfield or oh, running the football? No, no, definitely. You know, so there's sometimes in practice I'm talking to Coach Biedenbeau or, or then I'll have to go to talk to Coach Gundy about, you know, inside receiver stuff. Yeah. But it's just one of those things, you know, if, if a certain play is called, I know what my responsibility is. So I'll go talk to that coach if I have a question about it. So you run into different meeting rooms? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, not not during season. You know, during, during camp I was in a couple different rooms, but now during season it's just they'll come find me and come talk to me.
0: Can you kind of give us some perspective on that dynamic between Joe and Samaje? It really seems like they not only feed off each other, but you, one can kind of sense when the other is tired. One can kind of sense when the other needs help. It seems like they have a really good relationship.
5: Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like brothers out there, all three of us, really. You know, we, we just feed off each other and go as each other goes. So if someone's you know, not having the best game or, or you know, the best practice, and we're, we're right there to pick each other up and, and try and get them going to get this team going. Every game day special but a little bit more jacked up now with OU texas this weekend yeah, you gotta love it you gotta love it OU Texas, is my favorite
0: there dimitri flowers some excitement from the sooner h-back fullback whichever way you want to describe it uh, inside a receiver even at times and you don't see a lot on the stat sheet but jess and i were talking about it on the radio earlier this week he had a phenomenal game on saturday so what about the other sidelines? The voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, had a chance to catch up with the voice of the Longhorns, Craig Way, to give us a little perspective behind enemy lines.
1: What's this week like down there with all the Charlie drama? I would say it's
6: percolated a little bit. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, there, there, there's, uh, as uh, my broadcast partner, Roger Wallace, said, so well, and this was after the loss to Cal, not after the loss to Oklahoma State. He said it doesn't take long for things to get to DEVCON 1 in these parts. Uh, and I would imagine it's like that in a lot of, of the, the, the classic uh, you know, uh, uh, college environments where you have some of the more traditional powers who, whose fan base is obviously hungry and, and wanting to see a significant move a step forward so to speak this being the third year of the program and it looked like they were off to that in the first two weeks uh, with the win over notre dame and then and then the follow-up win over utep so i think folks have been excited and i think maybe uh between what we've since learned about notre dame and what and also maybe just the fact that that ranking clearly was undeserved and maybe a lot of the media got that bought into a lot of that early stuff that happened that uh that the realization and the expectations really, not the realization, but the expectations got a little bit too lofty for where Charlie trying to get the program. He'd even said it all along, there's a long, long way to go, and we can't even pay attention to those things. They knew they had deficiencies to deal with with a very young secondary and, and the defense overall, and, and unfortunately for them, the last two weeks, those uh, deficiencies have really come home to roost.
1: What is your hunch as to what the defense looks like led by Charlie versus led by Vance?
6: It's a great question. I, I'm not sure that it's going to be in terms of strategy-wise markedly different. Um, I, I know that Coach Deuce was asked at his news conference the other day about, well, uh, do you have to go back and look at old uh, Louisville and Florida game takes? Of course, Louisville, Vance Bedford was his defensive coordinator there as well. So, Uh, and and I thought uh, Coach Stoops gave a good response, and he said, well, you do take a look at those things, but there's only so much you can do once the defense is where it is. And I think given what this young – and it it is a lot of young guys, they don't use it as an excuse, and it's an excuse, but the reality of it is when you do have those young guys, there's still a learning curve. And in uh, many cases for those guys, if you were to – all of a sudden, change up a lot of things that we're doing defensively. I think it would only add to the confusion. I don't know that there would be uh, th- that there even is going to be a great deal of of uh, vast difference. They want to get after the quarterback. They're gonna they're gonna rush uh, as much as they can. They may uh, they may not blitz quite as much, only because they want to make sure they've got some help in the back because. That is some of the times when they've really gotten burned is when they've is when they brought the blitz, and uh, and quarterbacks have been smart enough to see where the open areas are, and Baker Mayfield certainly is smart enough to recognize those kinds of uh, not well disguised situations. So I think there may be a little bit of dialing back of that. Other than that, Toby, I don't know that they can do that much differently.
1: Uh, I'm not going to ask you. Uh, I'm not. I don't want to put you in a tough spot because of your position with Charlie, but I am interested in knowing. Uh, because these things can go one of two ways. Uh, it can either be divisive or it can unite a team inside of a locker room when they feel like they're kind of playing for their coach. Do you get any sense of which way that's going?
6: Well, yeah. Uh, right now it is, it is very much a united front. And um, and this, by the way, will add fuel to the fire for, for, for Texas fans who, who are already uh, chomping at the bit for, to see a change they were at this point last year coming out of the T C U game. They lost fifty to seven and there was that kind of conversation. And of course they followed that that very inspired effort against Oklahoma, followed that up with a win against Kansas State and then just fell flat on their face face on the road at Iowa State, which nobody expected. And, you know, since the win over the Sooners last year, the Longers are five and five. So it's not like they you know, they took off and ran with it. But the players have been united behind him. So I don't think there's any any kind of, uh, you know, whatever, a mutiny. I don't think there's any kind of uh, divisiveness. I don't think there's anything where they're not believing what the coaching staff is telling them. They have said one unified message all along. And a lot of those players, especially the few veterans that they do have are saying things like you got to stop putting so much blame on the coaches. They put us in positions at some point we have to execute. And maybe that's where we've seen, you know, missed tackles and things like that. At, at some point, they said it falls on our shoulders. The coaches do just the opposite. They say, you know, we have to make sure that they're in the proper position, A, and that B, that they're coached up and taught correctly to finish plays. And so the answer, I think, lies somewhere in between. Uh, but obviously, the end result has been difficult.
1: We found out last night that OU is going to be without their uh, star defensive lineman, Charles Walker. Certainly, injuries. Are a big storyline on both sides going into this game. You know, Texas is going to be without Chris Warren. What do you feel like is the status of Deontay Foreman and Shane Bouchelle? And I, I know we expect both of them to play, but where do you feel like they are? You know, on the hundred percent scale.
6: Well, I think Shane's fine. I think he'll be a hundred percent or close to it. Uh, Deontay, uh, you know, he's been able to practice, but I don't, I, I don't know that he'll be a hundred percent. And and even when he was. 100% prior to the injury. You know, they had a pretty regular rotation between uh, Foreman and and Warren. Now, you know, you hear uh, Sterling Gilbert talk about how they've got to mix the true freshman Kyle Porter in there more than what they've done. Uh, they'll even uh, maybe mix in the redshirt freshman Tristan Houston a little bit in there as well. But I think it'll be largely Foreman, and when Foreman's not out there, you'll see Kyle Porter, the true freshman.
1: Four straight year that OU has come into this game ranked and Texas unranked and yet the last 3 years I don't I don't think anybody would argue that Texas has outplayed Oklahoma even in the year that OU won the game the stats were heavily skewed toward Texas um we've watched these games right next to each other up there in the, in the booth what in your mind has been the reason that Texas has had so much success against Oklahoma the last 3 years
6: well i, I you know i know a lot's been made of that that toughness mindset and and uh uh, you know about being the more tougher physical team, and and there may be something to that, but I I didn't always buy into that at the time when the when the Sooners were dominating it as well. I, you know they're they're eighteen to twenty two year old college kids, and 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 they're built similarly fashioned in terms of both the physical and the mental. I think momentum has so much to do with this series and the game. We see the momentum ride uh, in shifts uh, in the series. Ah, uh, one school wins uh, a couple in a row, then the other one comes back. Sooners won five in a row at one point. They won three in a row at one point. Uh, then, then lately, the Longhorns have played much better. I, I think in the once the game gets going, uh, early breaks mean an awful lot in this in this series. And a team gets up, and quite often they then they start playing uh, like they're invincible, and then the other team might get a little more tentative. Than they need to get, wanting to make sure they don't make a mistake. I don't think it necessarily means they're they're not as tough mentally or physically. But then then they might get more tentative, and and then you hear coaches talk about when you hesitate, then then you're really going to make mistakes. But I think it's human nature. So I think I think it's been a variety of all of those things. I don't think there's any one factor, and I really don't think as one team is vastly superior in terms of its mental toughness or its physical toughness. The rivalry means a great deal. To Both sides I don't think there's any question about that and and, and the importance of the game as well and, and and everybody keeps telling them that the importance means so much yeah. and so I, I think all of that feeds into the game and when you get off to a good start it empowers you a bit more and when you and when you fall behind early then it, it, it kind of seems to build a wall up that you've got to scale and that I think that's a big part of it.
1: Craig Way's with us, play-by-play voice of the Texas Longhorns. Last question. We'll let you go, Craig. Uh, obviously, uh, a lot of talk about the Texas defense and how many points they've given up so far this year. When you look at OU offensively, what worries you the most? You know, the rushing attack or the ability of Baker to throw them? Where has Texas' weakness been this year there?
6: You know, the, the, the normal – I think the normal reaction for virtually any team – that might play the Sooners would be, you have got to start with some Ajp, Ryan, and Joe Mixon. I think they would say that you know stopping the run and all that sort of stuff. However, because the Longhorns have had so much difficulty in the back in the secondary, I, I think they look at what the Sooners can do throwing the football, and that's and it's got their antenna up. I, I, there's no question about it. The problem is, is and and this is the 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 problem that OU's offense presents. Is that if you pay any, if you pay too much attention to any one facet, the other one's going to uh, really reach up and kill you. You know that's that that's the problem. I think they know they've got to get the issues buttoned up in the secondary, but if they take their eyes off what's going on too long, then obviously obviously Samaji and Joe will just carve you up. And and that's and that's the biggest challenge I think that Charlie and the defensive staff are having to ponder this week as they pre- prepare the game plan and get the team ready.
0: All right, so some big news broke, unfortunately, on Wednesday night. I was up in Tulsa, and I was speaking to the OU club of Tulsa, one of the great Sooner fans in the back of the room, is I was really bragging and gushing about the way that Charles Walker had played, how he got his hands up in the passing lane, how he was a difference maker. Suddenly this guy in the back of the room holds up his phone and goes, Charles Walker's out. Unfortunately, Charles Walker suffered a concussion. He is out for Saturday's game against Texas. Will Johnson, according to Coach Stoops, is out as well, too. Good news, Baker Mayfield and Jonathan Alvarez both practiced. I had a chance to catch up with Eric Bailey, the Sooner beat writer for the Tulsa World, to kind of get a little perspective from Eric on exactly you know, what's been going on with the Sooners and how he feels about where Oklahoma is right now heading into OU Texas. Eric, what was the uh, what was the reaction like whenever you heard that... Uh, that Charles Walker was going to be out. I was a little bit surprised by that one because I hadn't heard much about anything he was struggling with.
3: No, not at all. And you know, it's got kind of almost like an epidemic when you think about all the concussion injuries that the Sooners have had this season. And it's just bad because, you know, you think about Charles Walker, you think about the Clemson game last year in the Orange Bowl, and uh, how that kept him out of that game as well. So uh, just a, just an issue that people are really watching and probably watching closer now than they have in years past. So you're seeing a little more of this, and I think that's kind of just reflective of how careful teams are being with their players. And let's
0: also, you know, in being in a very selfish how this affects the game plan, kind of mindset. Eric, I thought he was as active against TCU as he had been all season long with his hands up in the passing lane. I mean, he he was a big time difference maker for him on Saturday I mean, and I think yeah. I think it hurts to have him out.
3: It does. It really really does from a football standpoint. You're right. Uh, you look at what he did and the havoc he created on the defensive line, and able to get his hand on a couple of balls, a couple, a couple of key moments too, where they really needed stops. And he was able to do that with you know with deflected passes too. So, uh, just a very very athletic player, and you're losing someone you really need on that offense or that defensive line. And uh, I think Oklahoma's going to sit back, regroup, and hope someone else can step up and fill those shoes.
0: Have, uh, who's kind of jumped out from your perspective on that offensive line, or excuse me, on that defensive line? <laughs> I've been impressed with Austin Roberts and the way that he's played. I know Amani Bledsoe hasn't played a ton, uh, but it seems like he's a good difference maker when he gets in there, uh, as is uh, Matt Romar and the guys yeah. Jordan Wade on the interior. I, I I've kind of been impressed with some of the guys who have stepped up and had to fill in despite the injuries.
3: Yeah, you mentioned Austin Roberts. He's a guy I've really been interested in watching closer and closer because I remember last year when he came to campus, he got, he got to school a couple of weeks late in the fall camp. He had some issues with paperwork, didn't allow him to report to call, fall camp until I think it was two weeks down, and I really think that kind of put him behind, and it was hard for him to catch up, and now in the senior year you're glad to see any guy that's a junior college transfer that's uh, paid a lot of dues, get a chance to play, and uh, he had six tackles against TCU last weekend, so uh, he's got a a big frame you know he's six six so he's got a big frame and he had a bat, he batted down a pass two against tcu so i think that's good for the sooners if he can continue to step up and play especially with charles out and you mentioned some of those young kids money blood so i think he's going to be a special player of course you know just four games deep into his uh his college career we still don't know what's going to happen but i think uh he's being pressed upon for cut for to help right away that's only going to help him in the future so and romar you know what you're going to get with romar jordan wade he's a guy that man that guy bob stoops had the best line of the of the season (laughs) when he said earlier this year that you know you'd hate for something bad to happen but if the defensive room uh defensive line room blew up Jordan Wade would walk out with a smile on his face because nothing happened to him. Yeah, what what do you need uh, me to do, coach? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Jordan Wade's having a good senior year, too, and that's that's a guy who played as a freshman a lot extensively, had his playing time slip, but now he's really coming down and producing this season. Uh,
0: It was interesting in hearing the conversation Monday about Didi Westbrook because we knew that he was a little bit dinged up in practice. I, I, I was talking with Pop a little bit about this yesterday, too. You know, with everyone, it's one of those, hey, show me kind of mindsets. But I really thought with that flash on Saturday, Eric, we get so caught up in got to get the ball more to mix in. You know, they got to run the ball more. I got to got to throw the ball more to Mark Andrews. But I'm kind of excited now to see a D.D. Westbrook at full strength. I mean, yes, it was one amazing quarter, but I think this guy really helps to open up the offense quite a bit.
3: I think so. And you look at his numbers, seven catches, 158 yards. That's a career oh. high for him and two touchdowns. Just a dynamic playmaker. He's that. He looked like that D.D. D. Westbrook you expected in game one. And, of course, you know, the injuries in fall camp put him back a little bit. And we really didn't realize the scope of that really until Bob Stoops kind of told us on Monday how bad it was. And it was something he's dealt with through those first three games. And now Baker Mayfield even mentioned it. Now that he's healthy, they really hope he can do some good things in the wide receiver position. And, you know, that's a spot where, you know, it's, it's B.D. Westbrook and Mark Andrews. Those are the two guys. They really need some more guys to step up at the position. You know, when you look at the stats, Westbrook and Andrews have 35 catches. And the rest of the wide receivers, just the wide receivers combined, have 34 so you really need someone else to make some moves. Yeah, you, know, you know, Nick Basquin had a nice game at four catches against TCU. Can he be the dependable guy? Can AD Miller be a dependable guy? You just need someone to step up. You need that third weapon on, on, on the wide in you know, the wide receivers, just someone that can spread the defense even more and open the running game up some more.
0: Eric, this is what, year five or six for you on the beat now? Uh
3: this is year year five. Year okay. Five for me.
0: Have you noticed anything different in the way that uh that there's been an approach or in kind of the the conversations leading up to this game, whenever. I mean, it, listen, everyone kind of has seen what's taken place and what's gone wrong in the last couple of meetings with Texas. Have you noticed anything different in the approach from the coaches or from the players in the post game practice availability that you guys have had?
3: You know, this week, I think the word that I've heard more than any other week covering this game or heading into the game is the word physical. Of course, granted, you know, every time you go on the field, you have to be physical, and especially when you play Texas. And I think they've known that over the past couple years. But... There really seems to be a concerted effort this year to concentrate on being more physical, um, and I think that's the key. You got to play tougher. You're you're, the, you're expected to win this game. You got to be the guy that bullies Texas around. You can't let it be vice versa. You know, in the past three years, it, it just really appears that Texas kind of pushed Oklahoma around the field, uh, even though Oklahoma did get a win in that in that middle game. Right. But uh, once again, Oklahoma's heavy favorites. They're double-digit favorites. I think the last I seen, they're ten point ten point favorites, and Texas is backed into a corner once again like we've seen in the last couple of years uh, they could be playing for their coach's future so I, I really think you're the you're the favorite you're supposed to win this game they have to from from the opening kickoff they have to play that way and play with a sense of urgency
0: asking of that real quick too because it seems like this is about the third time in the last four meetings with these teams where there's a there appears to be a storyline of some sorts with uh with the coordinator change or with the coach coaching for their job and I, I don't know Eric just from my blind just from my perspective and not having insiders knowledge of what's going on in Texas it really appears like this team gets up to play for their coach every year or two I I I don't I, again I'm not sitting here trying to campaign for anyone's job but that has to be pretty promising for everyone in the Texas administration when every time they come to a situation where this team appears to be playing for a coach's job they step up in a big way. Yeah,
3: and I've always heard that about Coach Strong. I've yeah. heard that he's really a player's coach. He's a guy that, you know, the players can wrap, rally around, too. So I think when there's something like that to play for, it really gives you an extra gear, and I think that could happen on Saturday. And uh, once again, if you're Oklahoma, you can't let them get to that, though. You have to kind of control things from the beginning. And that, that's important, too. A, a good start for the Sooners, uh, changing gears a little bit. Uh, yeah, look I at know. what happened last year. When Oklahoma had the ball at their third offensive series, they were down fourteen nothing. It right. really kind of messed, messed up the playbook and maybe a game plan. So, I think Oklahoma they really need to get out and score points early and put pressure on Texas, make them doubt themselves. Uh, I think it worked the other way around last year. I think Oklahoma needs to get get on the board early and uh. Set the
0: tone. You know, one thing that is always—it's a constant—and I don't think it needs to be brought up much. But I, I've noticed Coach uh, Stoops has talked about it quite a bit, and that's that turnover margin. I—I I think that seems to be an emphasis. It's an emphasis every year. So when I say more so this year, is it just me, or does it seem like it's being talked about a little bit more this year? Um.
3: I'm- Maybe a little more. Okay. I, every time we ask Coach Duce what's the key to a win, that's the first thing: turnover out.
0: margin. Yeah. Turnover margin. You
3: got to win the turnover battle. And uh, you know, both these teams. It's funny; they're they're both ranked 109th out of 128 teams in turnover margin. Wow. Both are at negative four. And uh, you know, Oklahoma's done a good job of taking care of the football for the most part. Uh, you know, for the most part, I know there was a couple of fumbles last week but i think steven parker getting that interception last week was key i think the secondary if i can finally get that off their backs and say hey we finally got a pick and if you're an Oklahoma fan, you hope that's infectious and they can continue to get interceptions and continue to, to do things. And I think that only came with dialing up pressure. I think that was the key last week is putting pressure on the quarterback. Make him make quick decisions and make him make bad decisions. And uh, once again, you got a freshman quarterback coming in, and if you can do the same, uh, that, that'll that bode well for the Sooners. That's easier said than done, and you're playing an offense that you're familiar with with uh, – uh Baylor with uh Sterling Gilbert but then again but then again it's it's an offense that's been effective too so you're gonna have to slow them down
0: did you have much dealings with Gilbert whenever he was at Tulsa you were already on the OUB but did you get to did you get to know him at all or get to talk to him at all because
3: never did but really impressed with what he did, and that coaching staff with Phil Montgomery over at PU did last year. And they're having another good year this year over there, too. Yeah. So uh, it's just that Baylor offense, and uh, even Coach Mike Stoops mentioned that, too. He said that, you know, they, they've seen this. They've seen it in Baylor. They've seen it in Tulsa. They know what to expect. Uh, but then again, you got to go out and stop it as well.
0: You think uh, Baker's going to be okay and ready to go on Saturday?
3: I think so. I really do. I mean, it's funny. We saw him in a walking boot on Monday, and you really can't put much into that. I mean, I, you know, guys with minor injuries will wear boots just to protect that ankle, and I think that's that's what they did this week. Uh, he didn't practice Monday. He practiced Tuesday. Coach Duke said he went again yesterday. I think he'll be fine. I think he, his leg would almost have to fall off to keep him out of this game, so I really think he's going to be okay.
0: 11 a.m. with the kick. OU, Texas. This is, without a doubt, one of the greatest rivalries in all of college football Oklahoma is a little bit behind in the series but if you go back to 1971 the Sooners have won 23 lost just 19 and have tied three and in the big 12 era Oklahoma 11 and 9 against the Longhorns it should be as the great Jim Ross would say a slobber knocker Oklahoma and Texas this Saturday, we'll have a complete recap with the refresher on Monday. We'll have the game plan with Toby next Tuesday. And then, of course, the tailgate will be back next Friday for you right here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. All right, let's shift our focus, shall we? Last week, we brought you Jessica Cootie sit-down with men's basketball head coach Lon Krueger. This week, Jess sits down with the great Hall of Fame coach of the Oklahoma women's basketball team, Sherry Cole.
7: I love the fact that you get 10 days of training camp and so you get to see how a team is going to work and learn, especially for freshmen. That's the one thing you never know is what kind of learners will they be. So I got a lot of information in those 10 days before we left. I think you get that and then you get the bonding experience of being smashed into European hotel rooms for 10 days. And then uh, you also get an opportunity to sort of experiment with the way that you play. I think that takes a ton of pressure off of guys. Uh, We're going to try this, let's go out and look at this and see what happens and um, again it gives us this bank of data from which to build the upcoming season and I can't say enough positive things about our guys. The way they worked at training camp, the way they were together on the trip, um, the way they soaked in the culture in each of the cities that we visited and then the way they rolled with what we were trying to do through our competition. And um, they did have to roll through a lot of things. You know, we were in one gym and and the scoreboard wouldn't work if the the lights were on. And so they kept going back and forth, should we play with the lights on, should we have the scoreboard. Um, Super hot in a couple of the gyms, no air conditioning. Sometimes teams roll out 15 minutes late. Um, One game officials called like 17 travels on Maddie by herself. Um, And probably 12 of them were really travels, the other five maybe not. Uh, so you just kind of had to roll with those kinds of things, and uh, they were very good. And I think that creates uh, an ability to adapt, which I'm not sure there's maybe a more important character trait, especially when it comes to January and February for a team.
8: Taking back to the AAU days back <laughs> when they're super young, uh, uh, being that you had so many key returners, and and you get to practice them in the summer before even. The trip to Spain. How did you feel like they approached the summer? Did you like what you saw out of them and then the way that they grew in the the short time, amount of time between the end of the season and and before you went to
7: Spain? I loved everything about the summer. We really deconstructed individual movement, spent a lot of time working on what certain guys are really good at. Everybody had their own forte, if you will, that thing that they're really good at, and then how can we counter that and uh, attack defenses in that manner so a lot of deconstruction a lot of deep practice uh, a lot of uh, get in the gym on your own and don't go through the motions but really think about what you're doing and how you're doing it and they bought in i mean they went in head first i, I honestly i can't remember a year where we've had as much deep practice and individual commitment in the offseason they spent a lot of the summer teaching each other they would come in in groups of two or three and and work with each other and then that would be we would get the evidence of that in our two hours a week in the gym with them as a coaching staff. So I'm just incredibly pleased with their progress. And what I think is really special about this group is oftentimes when you have a big senior class, your team really wants to play for your seniors. And I think our team does wanna play for our seniors, but there's a different feeling about this group. I feel like our seniors are playing for our team and our program and it, it may be a small nuance, but I think it's an important one. And it just makes the air feel different.
8: Uh, over the past four years, you've talked about it, how much Buddy and Isaiah were in the gym constantly. This summer, I was up here a few times, and it was your kids that were always in the gym on their own shooting and working. I mean, how have you seen the drive in them, and, and how happy does it make you as a coach that you know they're, they're up here on their own you know, a lot?
7: The best way I can phrase it, Jess, is that they're rowing the boat. You know, they're in it and they're the ones with the oars and they're going. It's not a coach saying, have you been in the gym? Did you get shots up this week? We've done none of that. They have been the ones doing that and they're reaching out to each other. I I go back to a moment at our ice cream social, which is our fast break event at uh, the close of summer to sort of signal the new year and it's where we introduce our freshmen to our boosters and we were at the event and I asked. for volunteers from the team to talk about their favorite moment from the summer or from from the trip to Spain. And Maddie's favorite moment was one night she was sitting at home, I think she was eating ice cream on her couch, watching something on Netflix and she got a text from Niecy and Niecy said, will you meet me at the gym? I wanna play one-on-one. And it was 10 o'clock at night. And Maddie said that was her moment. And she said, absolutely, threw that ice cream in the sink and took off and headed back up here to play one-on-one with Niecy Williams. And when that kind of stuff's going on, you got a chance to be special. So I want to ask you specifically about,
8: you know, your newcomers, your Morgan Rich and and Chelsea and um, uh, Nancy. Uh, What did you see out of them? How did they adjust in their first kind of summer
7: of collegiate basketball? Well, Morgan had a little cleanup uh, surgery on her knee and she was not allowed to participate in Spain anyway because she's a transfer and can't play until Christmas. So uh, she was limited in terms of training camp and then obviously couldn't couldn't compete in Spain, so we didn't get to see as much from her. Uh, however, she's doing great now and has been terrific in the preseason. Um, Nancy and Chelsea were uh, a lot of fun uh, to dive in with. Uh, Chelsea probably came in in June as prepared as any freshman I've ever seen in terms of her fitness, her physical strength. You know, a lot of freshmen have to have to work their way toward that, and she arrived with those physical gifts to be able to withstand the physicality and the pace of play. And, immediately made her presence known. She's very aggressive, very edgy on the court. And it's been good for us. It's, it's raised the competitive level of our gym. And then Nancy, um, she's just been a hoot. I, I feel she had a tough summer. She came in and rolled her ankle. It was the worst sprained ankle I have ever seen. I mean, I've never seen one like that. And she was pretty tough. She worked her way through it. Uh, Learned by watching, and I mentioned earlier that you don't know a lot about uh, freshmen especially how they will learn. Well, here she can't do anything. She's having to absorb information uh, by watching and then verbalizing, and when she came back and was healthy, she jumped right in, and it was amazing how quickly she had picked things up. Um, She's a game changer, potentially. Uh, She gets in front of the rim and the other team can't get to the rim. as as good as she can be offensively, I think her most immediate impact will be on the defensive end. Uh, but she is skilled and uh, like I said, she is learning. And I think um, her greatest trait is that she doesn't take herself too seriously on the court. And that enables her to fight back really quickly. Both of those guys um, have a chance in our pre-conference schedule uh, to really impact our team and the way we play. So I can ask you about everybody on your team because I know you've
8: got so many key returners, but vv specifically now that she's kind of kk's gone she's stepping into more of a role I heard she had just a fantastic summer what did you see out of her this summer
7: yeah vv just gets better by leaps and bounds again it's when she came in she was so raw as a basketball player that that she with everything that she learned she just jumped to another level and i think we all saw last year obviously the big 12 conference recognized her uh, as her coming off the bench as her value as a sixth man And I think our whole team depended upon her heavily. And she is that voice that when everything's going crazy, she can quiet the storm. And and she just has that that element to her personality. Um, And she's worked, she's really worked this summer and her progress, we don't have anybody in the gym that can stop her when she catches the ball at the block. We hope that that's the case for opponents as well. But Vivi still has to work on her endurance. We have to have her on the floor longer. And that's one of the things that we noticed from the Spain trip. That's an area where she's got to grow considerably because we don't need her to come in and spell KK for two or three minutes at a time, which she became fantastic at last year. We need her to play six or eight minutes at a time. And um, she's she's got to move into that role and expect that from herself from a physical standpoint.
8: And your guards as a whole, how excited are you about them with, you know, of course Maddie and Peyton and Gabby and TT and, and everybody that you have coming back with that experience. How excited are you about what, what they're going to do and, and what they've done this summer?
7: Yeah, I think we have a stable full of them. And I think the important thing is that um, that they feed off of one another in a positive way. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to stretch the court a little bit this year and play defense and play defense a little bit deeper in the backcourt than we were in the past, because we feel like we have so many guys that we can rotate in and out. And individually, they have really honed in on specific skills. Nisi's worked hard to develop a perimeter shot, TT has done the same, Derica, uh, the the opposite of that has really worked on getting to the rim and finishing and worked on her mid-range game. Gabby has worked on getting to the rim and finishing. And so they're trying to balance their skill sets. And I would say the greatest strength is that there's a great comfort level between all of them. Instead of having two or three that play pretty well together, I feel like the parts are truly interchangeable. And we did use Spain for that uh, to work on different combinations and see if there was a different feel. We played TT and Gabby together some. We played without TT or Gabby some, just getting uh, different players in different positions and seeing if they could morph from one to the other. And they were terrific.
8: So as you start again preseason, um, what's kind of the goal, the plan being that you have such experience? Do you feel like you can, uh, I guess, attack things differently or are you just going to take the same approach that you guys kind of do every year?
7: Um, no, it, it, it's a little different this year. It has a little different feel and I think so much of that emanates from the trust I have in our guys and the trust they've developed in one another. Um, they're a very mature group now and even so much more mature than they were in March. Um, There's just something that happens over those few months between March of your junior year and August of your senior year. And uh, this group, as I said earlier, has taken hold of the oars and their role in the boat. So with that trust factor, they have a lot of input uh, into what we do. And we've really stripped it down and we're trying to do uh, a few things extraordinarily well, giving them the freedom um, within some elements of structure to be who they are as basketball players. And I think um, the way that they know one another, their connection with each other, is, is going to be what makes us special. So we want to make sure in our approach that we give room for that to be what it is and to grow.
8: And uh, this time of year, how excited are you as a coach when it comes around and it's that, that first practice is, is right around the corner?
7: Well I love practice. <laughs> I love it even better than games. We could practice all year and I'd be completely happy. Um, I love it because I think beginnings and, and endings are both so special. And obviously you gotta do the dirty work in the middle, but um, beginnings are when you chart your course and, and you set your side on something and you anchor in together. And I feel like that's been a process that this group of kids have, have been engaged in since March, truly. And then in June, uh, Nancy and, and Chelsea joined us and began to anchor in. And so in a very formal way, um, following OU Texas, we'll come back and, and, and hit it in a very formal way on that Monday and uh, uh, really make no bones about what it is that we want to accomplish with this upcoming season. Last question, um, you know,
8: the conference schedule was announced recently, tickets are now on sale. What are your expectations for the Lloyd Noble Center? Uh, what do you want to see out of fans, just from, from right out of the gate?
7: Energy. Uh, I I, I think that our fans, uh, as I always say, uh, our goal is to play in such a way so that you leave and wanna be a better version of yourself, whatever it is you do. I think that that our fans by and large feel that way when when they come to our games because of how our kids compete. And um, I just want our fans to know that our players feed off of their energy and when they're present and they're excited and they're involved and a part of the atmosphere that bleeds into the way our players feel and the connection that they share. And I think that over the course of this season, that very special bond that our team shares uh, will connect with our fans. And so I think that everybody who comes and is a part of that is going to love the ride.
0: After sitting down with Coach Cole, Jess hustled over after the first men's basketball practice of the season and caught up with Sooner senior guard now, Jordan Woodard.
8: All right, practice number one of your senior years in the books. How did it go today?
9: In practice, it was good. You know, the coach went high energy from the jump. And, you know, guys, we got a lot of new guys, so they're just trying to you know, find their ways. It's a whole new team, trying to figure out what's best for the team right now.
8: How was the intensity level? It seemed like you guys were really getting after it today.
9: Nah, it was fun. Uh, everybody's getting after it, diving after loose balls. Uh, you know, everybody's trying to make plays. Uh, you know, it's just going to get more comfortable as the year goes. But the first day was good.
8: With so many guys kind of stepping into new roles, bigger roles, yourself included in the leadership role, um, what's the eagerness level, being that you know there there's spots to be had?
9: Yeah, you know every every guy's gonna compete every day, and that's what's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to watch guys battle and compete for those spots, compete for playing time, and you know it's gonna be fun to just you know lead this group of guys. And we got a young core, uh, we got a lot of guys that played this last year, so it's gonna be fun to watch them develop in practice
8: like maybe a lot of outsiders looking in might say it, it could be possible to have a down year. But it seems like this team, by just watching you guys today, seems like the expectations haven't slipped at all.
9: All right. Coach holds us to a high standard every day. And that's, that's what makes it fun to come compete and get better, get extra shots up, and to you know compete to get on the floor. But well, it started right here in practice. And it was good to get these first day out the way. Well, like I said, a lot of guys came in competing, trying to earn those spots. So it's, it's, it's going to be fun and, and, and practice every day.
8: You personally, what's your goals, your personal goals, for the next 30 days to be ready to go for your final season as a Sooner?
9: Oh, you know, just to make sure guys are prepared when the game time comes to do my part, to make sure that, you know, I'm making plays, you know, getting the big guys touches. going to be throwing the inside a lot more this year. And to just make sure guys feel comfortable and whatever coach need me to do, you know, that's what I'm going to do. That's all I'm about.
8: You do feel comfort, more comfortable being in, in that leadership role, uh, Coach? Said he talked to you a lot about that this
9: summer. Uh, yeah, me and Coach, you know, he, we spent a lot of time together. You know, just him dialoguing to me what, what he needs me to do better this year than maybe just being a spot shooter opposed to last year. You know, just playing on having the ball and making plays for my teammates more this year, and just you know, make sure the young guys are coming along and feel comfortable on the floor.
8: Finally, just how exciting is this day, knowing that you know here's day number one of, of another season that's here.
9: Man, it's a blessing to be here and let's just to get after it. You know, this is what we work for. We wait on it all season long, and it's fun to finally get the team together in a, in a full-time setting. Just You know, it's fun to get into the season.
0: The countdown is on Tuesday, November 8th, the first exhibition game for the OU men's basketball team as they will square off against Washburn. Their season opener is November 17th against Tulane in what was going to be the Puerto Rico tip-off tournament. But due to concerns over the Zika virus, they have moved that now to Orlando, Florida. The regular season home opener for men's basketball is Friday, November 25th against Abilene Christian. You can get tickets at Soonersports.com. And we failed to mention it because I jumped so quickly to the uh, the interview with Jordan Woodard. But women's basketball is right around the corner for their tip-off as well, too. They'll start their exhibition season on November 2nd against Midwestern. Their home opener is Sunday, November 13th at 1230 against SIU Carbondale, Southern Illinois. They'll play Arkansas Little Rock on the 16th as the Sooner women's basketball team has their eyes set on yet another trip to the postseason. Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of the tailgate. Thanks to Dimitri Flowers, Jordan Evans, big ups to Oboe. Thanks to Craig Way, Eric Bailey. I think we're ready for football. I also think we're ready for basketball. Thanks to Coach Cole. Thanks to Jordan Woodard. Thanks to Jessica Cootie. And thanks to you for downloading and listening to the Sooner Sports Podcast. We'll be back on Monday morning with the refresher, a recap of everything in Sooner Athletics, and then Toby Rowland with the game plan. It's all coming up, and until next week, enjoy the OU Texas Red River Showdown and Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast
1: and make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air <laughs>